With traffic, errands, and parking, cars can be a chore. But a great car can be an adventure, a getaway, and a prized possession. Whatever your budget or family require, there's a car out there you'll love. We're here to help you find it. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We have officially discovered that all yellow cars are not created equal. Because <laughs> I didn't know that paint made them all equal in performance. Well, well but no, no, no. I don't. I, I mean, in, I mean, in, in we've talked before about how not all cars work in yellow. Oh, gotcha. And okay, not yes. all yellows work. Very true. And my point yes. here is. Yes, I have the crazy yellow lettuce, Elise. Hi, but welcome back to the podcast, by the way. We recently had two, count them, two Lexus LC500s in yellow. Lexa LC500s. We now have a Kia Seltos, which I'm very excited to do a fast blast on. Yeah, it's interesting. And the photos you posted on Instagram is one of the first times I can think of in a while where the photos are better than in person. Oh, because well, good. Okay. the photos look, look actually great. But seeing that color, and, and, and this is not a commentary on the car. This is this is the color. Seeing right. the color in person, it's like um, you're dehydrated, sir. Please don't give us another urine sample. It's it's bad. Mm, it's yeah. bad. I mean, I did a tiny bit of color correction just to really sweeten things you up. Just made to it make pop. It look I get it. Yeah. Nice and everything. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, we're we're interested in driving the Celtos. It's, it's not a good. It's a bad yellow. Well, it's called Star Bright Yellow, and I I mm-hmm. am. I'm all about naming colors because <laughs> Chance will take a picture of a car and send it to us and be like, all right, guys, have at it. What's the color? And so we we make up the most absurd. You are so much better at it I, than I, I am. I do yeah, love. You're great at it. Coming up with new names of paint colors. But this one is very much more towards the lemon citrusy side of the equation, whereas mm, your car is kind. very much a, a buttery canary yellow, a beautiful, yeah. rich, deep kind of yellow, as with a Lexi. Yeah. This is way over here on the... The Lexus Citrus is more yellow kind of warm, and this is more yellow green, yeah. and it is it is in person. It is not a good color. It does genuinely photograph well, and I hope that it videos well. But every time I look at it in person, I'm like that is a terrible color, and I'm I'm sad to say that. But it proves once again, not all yellows are created equal, and not all cars should be in yellow. <laughs> good news, everybody. The Nikola Badger, as of this recording, is available for pre order. Oh, hang on, let, let me stop. This you. is uh, this is the company that made semis, right? They still do make semis. This is Nikola, the car company, well, the truck company. And they were actually founded by Trevor Milton, who was from Utah. And their factory is going to be built in Arizona, in just outside of Phoenix, I believe. And so he is uh, really a CEO. He's he's coming up with some, some fun stuff. Because this particular Badger electric pickup truck is available in three trim levels. Okay. The first for a $250 deposit is the Instinct level. Okay. The second for a $1,000 deposit is the Predator level. Okay. This is all refundable, by the way. Got it. And the last trim level, the highest, okay. the top trim level is the Honey level. Wait, as in the Honey Badger? Indeed. Well, okay, now hang on. That Indeed. sounds absurd, but I do have to say my son is one of these kids that's a savant for animals. Uh, he watches a lot of nature shows, and I have learned that you do not mess with the honey badger. <laughs> this is you true. You do not. You don't mess with him and his animal knowledge That's true. either. No, he knows to, stuff. To that point that, honestly, uh, his um, his last two teachers, third and fourth grade, when my son, who has my interrupting gift and the ability to speak <laughs> at a volume far too loud for his body frame and speak quickly and a lot, you can clearly tell he's mine. He'll bury you. When he yeah. starts speaking randomly in class about facts of animals, both of his last two teachers have just kind of said, okay, 
They haven't even gone. I'm not sure if that's right. If if my son is going off about the animals, they just assume just that that information is correct, which is a go. terrible, terrible message to send my son. But yes, you don't mess with the honey badger, lions, tigers, vipers. I'm the talking honey badger. terribly dangerous things which in the is, wild. Do not mess with the honey badger. I still brave. am waiting for the day that the company Nikola mm-hmm. has a semi truck hauling a bunch of Teslas. Well, that could happen, but Tesla, I think for that very reason, is designing their own semi-truck yes, so to that pull they their don't, own cars yeah. out of the factory. <laughs> so they don't have a Nikola Tesla? Yes, yeah. indeed. Anyway. Well, on Instagram, Pratam N said, hey, what are your thoughts on electric pickup trucks? Well, it wasn't just, I think it's been less than two years as of now when I was pontificating wildly about electric pickup trucks. And why aren't electric pickups coming to market? What, mm. Where are they? Well, since then... There's so far seven that I can count that are either coming at us or nearly here. You found out more than I thought of. Keep going. The Nikola Badger. Yes. yes. Maybe even the Honey Badger, if you really want to beat up some The Nikola Honey Badger is coming at us. The Tesla Cybertruck, of course. Of course. The Rivian R1T. Awesome. The Lordstown Motors Endurance. Okay. This you is lost me there, but keep going. Production. All right, all right. Welcome to Voltage Valley, everyone. Oh, ser- no, seriously. It's on their website. Is that on I, the t-shirts It's on too? their website. Oh, no. The forthcoming Ford F-150 electric truck that everybody can't shut up about. Mm-hmm. There is the Bollinger Motors B2, which yep. has a patent on the pass-through for cargo. Mm-hmm, it's brilliant, mm-hmm. actually. It's quite slab-sided and not very pretty, but it is useful. <laughs> that, was, that was said very tactfully, by the way. We see this in person <laughs> kind of going, oh. So that's what's coming, huh? Hey, <laughs> mm. ranchers everywhere. And you own well, a ranch and a farm? But, but here's here, what was funny about that one is, is when we saw it and other people around us were seeing it, everybody at the auto show was going, yeah, but look, you got to pass through down the you center. It's like we all kind of ignored the obvious that's fact the- that it's not attractive, but look how usable. Yeah, look over here. Don't it's, look at the styling. It's look the minivan here. syndrome applied to electric pickup trucks. Keep and the going. last one is the reborn future Hummer slash GMC mm-hmm. EV. True. So seven that I can count. That has nothing to do with all the other plans from car companies we don't yet know about. Mm. So if mm. you didn't think pickup trucks were popular and now electric pickup trucks are popular, wow. you are wrong. And so here here they are. I I said it. I wondered where they are. Here They're coming. Okay, so what are your favorites? You know, I'm going after... The styling, personally, mm-hmm. yeah, and for that I reason, agree. I like the Rivian, and I do like the Nikola, because okay. they do say pickup truck, and they say future to me. I'm mm-hmm. still not a fan of the Cybertruck, which I, <clears throat> yeah, we'll um, we'll talk more about that at some point. I need to do a <laughs> styling video on that one, and I'll just use rulers. It's just yeah. straight edges, everyone. <laughs> You'll have to do it as soon as Slashing and burning my way up. with straight edges. Yes, that'll be fantastic. The, the Lordstown Motors is in, interesting, but it's kind of positioned more as, you know, hey, you need to work truck, and then it, it implies you'll drive something else besides this. Mm. And then, you know, we've already expressed our love. I mean, not love for the Bollinger, but you know what? Maybe they'll give us one and we'll drive it. I, I actually, the Nikola looks a lot like. It's funny that they have a, a predator level and all that kind of thing. Because I was thinking about the Nikola Badger versus a Ford Raptor. The Honey Badger versus the Raptor sounds really funny, but you look at it; it has a lot of Raptor. It's not styling. a nature show either. Exactly, exactly <laughs> right. You and I are standing there in khakis. That's Welcome to National Geographic. No, we need, we need to be wearing khaki tops and shorts. Yes, we need to have both of them with some the photographer's sort of weird, vest. Yes, some sort of weird jungle scene behind us. But maybe you know what this does? Across. You know how when 
Tesla, the Tesla Model S came out and everybody thought they were so cute with their license tag to say, mm. I'm oil free and no oh, yeah. oil and no yeah. carbon and all that kind of stuff. Guess what that'll do for owners of the Nikola Badger and how many ways they can say honey on their license tags. Oh, no. It's coming, everybody. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> okay. We should move on. We have a really, really cool uh, interview happening in just a few minutes here. We're going we're gonna to make a great phone call, have a fun interview about Hot Wheels. We're all going to be kids. We're acting like children already, you and me. <laughs> we so we're going to be kids here talking about Hot Wheels. And after that, we have a lot of really cool uh, questions from you guys. So it's going to be a fun podcast. Ted Wu joins us. He is the VP for Global Head of Design for Vehicles at Mattel, which really means Hot Wheels. I mean, they do other vehicles, but let's be honest, it means Hot Wheels. Ted is responsible for all the aspects of design for this nearly billion-dollar brand, if wow. you weren't aware. Wow. So that includes the brand itself, product design, user experience design and packaging design we are giving him a call now and we just want to hear about cool cars from hot wheels hey guys how's it going hey good thanks for joining us really appreciate it we're excited to have you on like i said we just want to talk cool car stories and mm-hmm. you know in your years of experience i'm sure you've been inundated by hot wheels enthusiasts who have just said oh you've got the coolest job ever <laughs> i'm sure so we want to know what brought you to hot wheels in the first place yeah no it, it, first of all i'm um, Super lucky, super, super uh, honored to be in, in the position I'm in right now and uh, and super happy to be on a brand that has a legacy of over 50 years uh, now. It's, it's been, uh, I've been on the brand now as a head of design for about five years. Um, I've been at Mattel, um, the, the toy company that um, obviously Hot Wheels is a part of, for about 17. So my background um, is in design. I actually uh, studied both business economics and visual art, so I kind of... Uh, a weird dual degree, cool. um, but studied at Brown University and took all my art classes at RISD uh, up in Rhode Island. Oh, nice. Um, nice. Coming out of school, I actually worked in the, uh, the, the department within Mattel that was making uh, animated content. So worked on Barbie cartoons and He-Man cartoons huh. and, and Hot Wheels cartoons, which was okay. really cool. Really? Um, did did and, He-Man uh, and Barbie ever yeah. get in the Hot Wheels and have a whole oh, hep- no. separate... Remember the 300ZX commercial, you totally know, where, where he took the Nissan 300ZX and Ken picked up Barbie, and it's one of the best car commercials of all time. Let's just we got we got He-Man and Barbie and, and Hot Wheels. Let's make that happen. Come on, <laughs> right. Ted. Was that you? I wish I had thought of that 15 years ago because I would probably be uh, probably be a, a studio executive now. That is a great idea. We did not do that, unfortunately, <laughs> um, but it's never too late. It's never too late. Nice. Um, so that, but that was a lot of fun. I, I did, I did work across those cartoons, and then, um, and then about, uh, like I said, five years ago, you know, uh, there was there was some time in between, but five years ago, jumped into the uh, the design role here on Hot Wheels. Oh, very cool. Well, yeah, we talk about design a lot, and I mm-hmm. come from a design background as well. Got a good buddy, Brian Benedict, who I'm sure you work with plenty, and always, you know, come see him at SEMA when he's outside with the, you know, the giant jumps and loops outside in the parking lot. It's pretty fun. Yeah, yeah, Brian. Brian's on the team, and uh, we love we love Brian. I know, uh, Paul. You're you're an art center grad, right? So uh, I am. Yes. So we have a lot of art center on the team, and, and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, really strong transportation design uh, designers on the team from art center. That's and, so uh, cool. Yeah, so super cool. Well, there's so much crossover, you know, from just, you know, normal life vehicle designs, which we do want to talk to you about. But at this point, you're covering all of Mattel's vehicle designs, not just Hot Wheels. And not just Matchbox, is that correct? That's correct. So um, I oversee Hot Wheels, uh, Matchbox, and Disney Pixar cars. 
Oh wow! Um, which we do the toys for, obviously. Um, cool. Owned by Disney, and um, and we've got you know a, a really great crew working across all three brands. We've got a lot of, like I said, transportation designers. But there's also the other side, which is the um, uh, the track sets and the play sets as well. So that's also um, within the, the framework of the vehicles team. Hmm. See, I actually think it's interesting. I want you to explain, is there a different approach, Hot Wheels versus Matchbox? The reason I bring it up is because I actually spent most of my early formative years from when I can remember till about age 10, I lived in England and everybody was Matchbox. Mm-hmm. And I moved back to the States and everybody was, right. I was like, wait a minute, what happened here? So now that they're <laughs> under the same parent company, is there a different approach to the two companies? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And, and one um, we get asked a lot and one, one we quite honestly ask ourselves, um, very often. Uh, so like you said, Matchbox um, originally started uh, in, in the UK. It actually started in 1953. It was actually older than, than Hot Wheels, which was born in 1968. Um, Matchbox was purchased by Mattel, I think, in the late 90s. Um, and and they're similar, right? I mean, they're both mm-hmm. vehicles at 164 scale. They're both obviously... Um, are, are uh, rolling vehicles, which was, um, which honestly, rolling vehicles was an innovation at the time that they were um, incepted. So mm-hmm. that was not a given. But the the general kind of rule is Matchbox, uh, generally speaking, is uh, they're they're more the stock version of the car. So you can have the same car in both brands, but okay. the Matchbox version will probably be the stock version, whereas the the Hot Wheels one will have the more aggressive trim on it. Uh, oh, that's, that's the high level. There are some nuances, okay. but. But yeah, that's, okay. that's sort of the, the gotcha. Top Interesting. Well, I'm I'm always about design, and I'm I'm really curious. This is for me really the meat of talking to you, and that is the influences in the industry, the trends in the OEM, the cars that we drive. How much does do you and your design team look at current trends going on for inspiration? What does inspire you guys? And you know, where do you see things going as far as trends for both? the Hot Wheels brand and trends in the industry and, and do they even align or are you just sketching like three engines on this car and you know, we've got six pipes instead <laughs> of four and that's going to be the next, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Totally. I think, um, I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's as easy as that. Sometimes we're putting three engines on it and, and calling it a day. Um, <laughs> but, but in Love reality, it. um, and we have a lot of leeway. There's a lot of, uh, things you can do obviously on a, on a one sixty four scale car that you probably, have a harder time engineering in the real life that car. Indeed. So we do have that benefit. You know, the, the team, the team is, is great. It's a, it's a team of almost 40 designers, like I said, kind of different backgrounds. We have guys who are transportation design, um, got a lot of guys from our center, like I said, CCS in Detroit. Um, and it's important. It's important that we've got guys with a real, uh, not only passion, but real, um, you know, design background in transportation design because we, we do take it seriously and, and we do take sort of, um, you know, looking at our designs um, and making sure they're authentic and truly automotive very seriously. We, we think that is sort of the defining difference between us and maybe some other, um, you know, toy car brands. So, you know, in terms of inspiration, we look, we look everywhere. I think we look in places that, you know, like a lot of, like you guys uh, being car uh, enthusiasts and experts, you probably look at the same blogs and websites and Instagram feeds that we do. Um, we also look outside of car design, right? So uh, fashion, architecture, we're always plugged into pop culture. A lot of the guys have, have their own project cards as well that they're working on. Oh, cool. uh, so that keeps us inspired. And then we're based in Southern California. So 
that's uh, that's always a it's a nice place to be in terms of just a good broad representation of cars that are out there. You know, you can drive you can drive the freeway and and you could see uh, you know a JDM car right next to a European exotic car next to a supercar next to a rat rod on a on a daily basis. So it's sure. a pretty and a Tesla. Uh, there was a Tesla in that lineup, too. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I just want to interject here and just say, Ted, if you and Paul start talking about mood boards, I'm out. I'm, I'm gone because you'll be too <laughs> far out of my boards. You'll be too far out of my, my reach at that point. But I love this. This is really cool. So, I, so I'm curious. You said there's guys on the team with project cars. Mm-hmm. Who's got something really cool? Or is that you, Ted? Who's got something that's like you won't believe this project car going on mm-hmm. at the Hot Wheels guys right now? I can't take credit. I, I um I'm currently my garage is not is, is full and does not allow for project cars as much as I would like. Um, one of one of the guys on the team, his name is uh, Brendan Vitusky. He has a, a beautiful Firebird, um, mm, nice. '67 Firebird, and, and you can go look it up. He spent a lot of time wrenching on it and, and really getting it. Just it's it's. You, I mean, I, I'm not going to do it justice, but if you have a chance, um, or if any of the listeners have a chance, go go check it out. It's a passion project of his that he's been working on for years. And the fun part about it is he's turned it into a Hot Wheels car. So oh, interesting. You know, he has the life size car and he has the Hot Wheels car. Kind of, a, kind of a perk of being a Hot Wheels designer is you can throw your own car in the mix <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and and have both. That's really cool. That's, That's interesting. Cool. Now, where can our listeners go find that? You said look it up. Where can they find images or stories about that car? You can look. Uh, you can go if you actually go to um, HotWheels.com. You'll you'll find uh, we have a Hot Wheels garage of legends, and mm. and as a side note, we do have a fleet of life size cars. Um, so we're we're not only uh, creating these 164 scale cars, but we actually have our own fleet of life size cars that really do drive and they're all workable. Um, his car is in the fleet, um, and his car has also been featured by a lot of other um, blogs and, and websites. So it's gotten around a little bit. But if you look up uh, if you look up yeah Brendan Fiduski, uh Firebird, you'll you'll come up with some links. Awesome. That's very gotcha. cool. Yeah, I'm sure. So what happens to those cars in the fleet? Do you guys ever take them on a cruise, or do they all only go to shows? Or what's, what's the plan for They commute to work those? in them. Do, Clearly, do you they not, do. Ted? Next, just, next to the Tesla. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the three-engine, five-winged we thing. Perfect, yeah. right? Yeah. We rotate, and we, we drive them to work every day. Um, That's no, what we figured. We, we actually do. We, <laughs> we, um, we, we have a lot of uh, different shows, but one of them is our Hot Wheels Legends Tour, which is actually a, uh, a car show that is happening um, around the United States um, and actually globally across the world. And so we go to various shows throughout the year. The, the fleet shows up there. They show up at different events as well. Um, we do have a lot of global kind of uh, Hot Wheels shows and marketing events that they show up to. So, you know, you'll, depending on um, the day of the week, we'll have uh, a few houses back at headquarters. We're, we're based in El Segundo near L.A. Okay. Um, but usually there's cars traveling all the way all around the world. And cars and coffee suddenly got cooler. I get it. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no kidding. Well, <laughs> honestly, Ted, I consider your studio just uh, on the same level as any OEM automotive studio, to be honest, because of the influences you're talking about. And mm. car designers around the world are looking at everybody else's stuff. They're looking at the same inspiration. They're mm-hmm. looking at how those manufacturers with their new designs are keeping close to the brand. It's less about the designer, but the team actually continuing the look and ethos of the brand. It almost doesn't matter what nationality the designer is and where you're from in the world. It's your ability to do that. What's your favorite manufacturer for design right now? What are you guys looking closely at? And the reason I ask is because the father of the Miata, it's Tom Matano, took his designers, I read one time, to a fashion show. 
and they were, watched the runway mm-hmm. and watched various things, and just it was just totally different. So, what are you guys looking at right now for inspiration? In terms of manufacturers for design, it's, it's hard to pick a it's hard to pick a favorite that we're we're cued into. I, mean, I think the beauty of of Hot Wheels is there really is um, no bounds to kind of uh, the types of vehicles we do. We we think of ourselves, like you said, I, I and thank you for the kind praise. That's that's really um, that's really really nice of you. We, we do think of ourselves as um, reflecting car culture. So and, and Hot Wheels has always been good about that. Hot Wheels was born uh, again in 1968 in sort of that that custom California uh, car culture and at the time was known for just kind of pushing the envelope in terms of design. So reflecting the car culture, but then pushing it a little bit um, and hopefully taking ownership of, of where vehicle trends are going. So, um, so again, thanks for the, the kind words. So I can't, I, I wouldn't say I, I have a specific favorite. We work with um, virtually every auto manufacturer, which is, um, which is great. And again, we've got, such a diverse design team. We have guys that are American muscle car guys. We have guys who their thing is JDM cars. We have guys who are uh, into the rat rods. Um, really, there's there's no end of the spectrum. Um, one of the one of the designs that is uh, is probably top of mind at least for me that's out in the real automotive world is, is the Cybertruck, um, mm. and that's one that I think has been. Causing a lot of discussion, you know, a lot of debate. It's a very polarizing car. Causing um, a lot of discussion that, yeah, is incredibly delicately, <laughs> delicately put. Yeah, that, that was kind. That was really, really eased well, well your way there. in there. Bravo. Keep going. Tiptoe around that one. <laughs> so, you know, I think from a um, from a, from a design standpoint, there's a lot of interesting things going on there. There's, there's, you know, you've got reminiscent of a of a Countach kind of DeLorean thing going on it's obviously based you know it's a it's a 80s cyberpunk kind of looking truck um i i will you know i I will say i think like a lot of people when i when i first saw it i was like wow that's interesting i I don't know if i like it delorean (laughs) meets stainless steel barbecue grill from home depot (laughs) bam that's a choice yeah Uh (laughs) i will say i will say it's, it's grown on me and i i think there's something to be said about the the pushing, you know, the pushing the boundaries and then making people feel, feel uncomfortable that I do like about it. Um, we, we have had, um, a, a good, a good uh, relationship with Tesla. Um, we've done, um, I think, I think every single model, you know, we've done, uh, we've done their X, the model X, we've done, of course, the S. We did do, um, we did announce a RC, uh, radio controlled car that we're doing with them, uh, based off the Cybertruck and, and they've mm-hmm. been, Super cool to work with. Trans von Holhausen, who's their chief design officer, right. um, and, and their team has been great. And, uh, and and the funny, you know, quick funny story there. Uh, I'm sure you watched the reveal um, that they did last year, where they threw the the steel stainless steel ball at the window. The, the entire shattered. world saw that reveal. Mm-hmm. Yes. Please tell me you're including stainless steel, <laughs> tiny little stainless steel balls to throw at the RC car. Yes, please. So so they are. I mean, they're super cool in that. This RC item that we're doing, um, which is coming out later, uh, they we we pitched them that hey, you know what would be funny is if we had a vinyl sticker that you could put on the RC card that showed a shattered you know window, <laughs> and uh, we weren't sure how they would how they would react, and they were all about it. They were totally awesome. for it, totally uh, yeah. So they were they're very very not taking themselves seriously, and uh, and we're all for it. Okay, so, good. Anyway, so it's included. Good to know. Um, you can get your own. 
fabric truck with a smash window in RC size uh, later this year. Sense of That's humor intact, cool. apparently. That's good. That's, That's good, good to know. So you're dealing with a world of 40 car designers coming to work every day to draw fun cars, essentially. But but yeah. clarify for me, because let's be honest, every job has work aspects, and every job has, I can't believe I get to do this for a living, which is how we feel a lot of the time about Very our job. So, yes. so what's, it, what's the best part on a daily basis of having your job? Like I said at the top, it, it, it is really, it's an honor. And I think, um, you know, knowing that you're working on something that is bigger than you, right? I mean, this, this brand, again, is, is over 50 years old. Um, there's a lot of heritage. Uh, and, and knowing that um, you're part of it and you're part of the, the, the hopefully, you know, legacy of, of Hot Wheels is, is great. I think for me personally, the, the greatest part is the people. I mean, the designers uh, on the team just so passionate and, and, and talented and a group of guys uh, and, and girls that are, are just completely um, share the same passion with cars. We may not all like the exact same thing. Um, we have a lot of discussions and debates just, just like you guys have on the show, but that's what the fun, that's where the fun is. Right. I mean, so that's to me, it's, it's the people that really um, makes the job uh, great. I think the other thing too, is um, just being able to see sort of uh, our vision come to life. Mm. so soon and, and quickly and um and and kind of getting things from thoughts into uh, a 3d format and then ultimately um you know the impact that uh hopefully we're having on on uh kids and, and when i say kids i mean kids of all ages you know sure. from three to, to 93 because there there certainly are um collectors uh adult collectors that are that are older and of course we we love to uh, make toys for kids as well so oh yeah uh yeah it, it's a it's a delight though i deeply regret getting rid of my collection as a kid because then I went to high school and I'm like, ah, I'm too old for that stuff and kid stuff. And then later on, I'm like, where's my collection? Yeah. You gave it away? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why did this happen? I had the Martini Racing Transporter with the Martini Racing car. I uh, had it. Yeah. The six-wheel transporter. I had it. Don't go on eBay now because I bet you someone's yeah. selling one for a price that would horrify you. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. we've referenced them in shoots because of the way some cars look. A good example is the Hyundai Veloster N. Mm-hmm. It actually kind of looks like a, a Hot Wheels come to life that I yeah. used to have. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we even use Hot Wheels when we're arranging shoots and we're talking about how to drive cars on yeah. camera. And we're using Hot Wheels as the, okay, you're here. The camera car's here. Totally. We're Absolutely. Using them as instructional aids for the crew, too. Well, and, and Chance, who shoots for us, collects. He collects. And he knows people, not him, him actually, but he knows people that do the whole like delivery stalking thing. Like they show up when the new <laughs> yeah. box is going to get cracked because they're looking for car X. <laughs> right. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a whole right. thing. I love that. I'm curious. You talked about speed. That's, that's the real deal. Yeah. Totally. You talked about speed. What okay. is what is the time frame of, okay, we're going to do a car in this segment. How does that get decided? And what's the time frame between, all right, let's start working on this. And all right, it's been made now. It um, it can range anywhere from, uh, from 12 to 18 months. Um, you know, we, we can do it. We can do it faster. Uh, but the, the volume of cars that we're doing is sort of also dictates um, the length. We we um, we actually produce more than 400 million cars a year. Uh, that's 16.5 cars that we sell a second. Which um, means you are the world's largest car manufacturer. That's we, pretty impressive. That is that I, we actually produce more cars than, than any other uh, car manufacturer, probably more than most of them combined, to be yes, honest. Yes, at uh, least true. more than so Ford F-150s. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> You know, we're we're doing a lot of uh, a lot of volume. Um, you know, from a from just a design standpoint, um, if you look at the uh, the one dollar car, we call it the basic car. So if you went to a random uh, drugstore or kind of your local Walmart and you see that dollar car, there's 
400 different cars per year um, in that assortment. Mm. Um, mm. Wow! So again, just a lot of a lot of vehicles being done, and then and then you've got. Um, you were talking about our collectors earlier, which we have a, a huge collector mm-hmm. uh, fan base. We've got cars that are a little bit more premium priced. So, um, you know, more than a dollar, you're talking, you know, anywhere from three to five plus dollars per car. And and that's where um, we don't do quite as many vehicles in the assortment, but we're kind of very selective about which kind of cars we pick. Mm. The actual, um, we call it deco or the actual livery on the cars. There's more detail in the cars. Um, there's a higher deco count, as we call it. The the tires are actually rubber, which is um, sure which is different than the yeah. dollar car that you, you might get. So there's and, and that's a, and that's for us is a really fun area to to dive into in terms of um, again trying to uh, lean in on our car knowledge and and, and talk to and, and cater to the the car enthusiast world. Interesting. Well, we're always about the driving and encouraging our audience to drive their cars, whatever fun car they have, and give themselves permission to drive the car because sometimes people are owned by their cars. I'll be honest. That's happened to me in the past. You know, you've got finally the car that you love, but you're owned by it because you don't drive. It's too precious. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So in that vein, what are cars that you want to drive? And do you take your design team on driving corporate retreats do you take them out and say all right we're going to experience cars whether that's a supercar experience or you know you've rented something or whatever that is or you're swapping cars and saying you've never driven a 67 firebird you've got to try it. you've got to drive <laughs> classic american muscle here you go you know get that feeling because that can also be an inspiration the way a car feels can be inspirational i think yeah absolutely and 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 design is, is one aspect of, of the Hot Wheels um, ethos, and, and we're having to that. But performance is the other piece, right? And I think performance is what you're talking about, how, how the car makes you feel. Just as a quick aside, I mean, I think in terms of performance, one of the interesting things that we try to do and are cognizant of is making sure that the cars perform in the world of Hot Wheels. And the, and the world of Hot Wheels has loops and stunts and jumps um, that, uh, that, that happen, right? So... There's some interesting design challenges when you're having to design for uh, track sets where, where the mm. cars have to go through a loop and have to have enough clearance and have to have the right center of gravity so they don't they don't fall off. Interesting um, so point. That, that adds another yeah, yeah. interesting element. To, Are you thinking to about design. this when you're sketching? Uh, Are you guys thinking about this? For sure, for sure. It's one of those things where you know the process um, the process is is very iterative. You know, I think first of all, getting into the process just a little bit. The the um, the idea of shrinking a car down sixty four times. You know, you could say, hey, it's super easy. We get the files from uh, from Chevy and we 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 shrink down that C eight in sixty four times and we call it a day. Mm-hmm. The, the reality is, there's actually a lot of nuance there, and this is this is why it's important for us to have um, real transportation design designers. It's because it doesn't quite look right if you just shrink it down sixty four times. Um, counterintuitively, it actually looks, you don't get the essence of the car. You don't get sort of, um, the, the design elements that really stand out at full scale. They don't quite mm. come through at that small scale. Mm. And so there's a lot of pushing and pulling, a lot of nuance, um, just to make that car look right. And then, of course, um, for a brand like Hot Wheels, making sure that it looks like a Hot Wheels car. So you're putting the right, um, you know, the right kit on it. You're putting the right, um, sort of, uh, aggressive stance and, and, um, and lines on it. So, uh, that's, that's one piece, um, in terms of the process. And then I think from there, uh, that sketch turns into 3D very quickly. We've got, um, a, a team of 3D 
sculptors that in-house take those sketches and turn them into actual uh, 3D models mm. using uh, using some some pretty uh, high-tech uh, software. And then um, we do have a, a rapid prototype bay. So within our own building, we can actually 3D print stuff out. And, and so within a matter of um, hours, uh, you could go from sketch into something in your hand. Wow. Um, depending on, you know, depending on... Um, um, on the file size, you know, you might have to wait overnight, maybe, maybe not a couple hours, but, but sure. you can have something in your hand. And, and so then from there, you're, you're starting to see how this looks, how it feels, if it's evoking the right sort of, um, uh, feeling as the vehicle. Um, and then from going back to the point of performance and being able to fit on the track and do loops, um, we actually work with uh, our partners in Asia. So we, we send the files over to them. They'll get us back um, what we call uh, 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 their new prototypes made with kind of more uh, uh, real materials that would be in final production. So we're sure. talking die cast and using real axles. Um, but we'll go through a battery of tests just to make sure that the cars uh, can perform on track. And that's mm-hmm. where those nuances are, are put into place. So maybe the front, you know, the front lip needs to be angled up a little bit. Uh, maybe the CG is not quite right. So we got to. We've got to change that. And that's where that sort of back and forth comes into play. Yeah. Interesting. That oh. defines your lunch breaks, right? You know, it's lunchtime. We're, we've got cars on track. <laughs> Every day, right? Every so day. Like, it's Hot Wheels track. I knew it. That's I funny. Mean, I knew it. We do have tracks. We do have tracks all around us. We have actually have a station where we, uh, where we can race the cars and see how far they're going. Um, we've had competitions with other groups in terms of um, making the car that goes the uh, the fastest and, and rolls the longest. So that's that's in our DNA for sure. It's the weekly Friday throwdown. Of course you guys do. It's like, <laughs> all right, who's next? We're taking I'm out of the rocket to this one. Is that bad? Yeah. yeah that's awesome. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> well, it's interesting you talked about the sketch because when designers sketch a car, if they were to sketch actual proportions as it is, like a tape drawing, it'd look funny. Whereas if you built a sketch, right. it'd be wearing 32-inch rims. Mm. And the windows would be, you know, four inches high. And, you know, it's just interesting how the the things you want to accentuate as far as a design element. And so you're right. When you scale a car down, it's got to be done correctly for that proportion. But then if you were to scale that 64th scale car back up to normal size, like I said, it'd be wearing like 50-inch wheels and, you know, have <laughs> zero interior space. And you know what I mean? So. It's but pretty it would, interesting. But it would go down that. a full-size Hot Wheels track really, really well. It would. It yeah. would. So there, we, the center of gravity would be right. It's push and pull. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ted. Well, you still haven't told us what do yeah. you personally want to drive? What's on the market? Whether it's sports car, truck. I mean, I, do you want to drive the Cybertruck? And you also you said you have a full garage. So what's in there? Oh, yeah. You've yeah. got to tell us what's in there, too. We do, yeah. Well, you know, talking about, and, I, and I'll, I'll get to what I want to drive, but talking about kind of blowing up a, a 164 scale into full-size, we do, we do have in our fleet a lot of Hot Wheels, what we call Hot Wheels originals. So the cars that were, um, have been designed by Hot Wheels designers that are not based on real cars. And so there's a few in there, um, uh, that we've had when we've, we've made them full size. You know, you do have to look at those things because suddenly you're right. The wheels get cartoonishly big and, and everything starts to get, um, a little cartoony. But if you, um, again, if you want to check out, uh, hotwheels.com or, or, um, you can go to uh, our Facebook page. You can check out some of the cars that we built in life size, um, including, um, the twin mill, which is a famous, uh, in the world of hot wheels, a famous, uh, hot wheels car. It's got, um, 
two giant uh, engines mounted on the front mm-hmm. um, that are just enormous and probably not the safest car to drive because you really can't see in front of you. There's, a, there's just a <laughs> but, little problem. Uh, yeah, oh, whatever. But, Safety third. That's what we <laughs> preach. Slightly. But that's a good example of a car that we took kind of at that small scale, blew it up, and I think it looks pretty good. There's been, you know, obviously you, you got to make some adjustments, but um, but it looks pretty good in, in life size. We've got other ones like the Bone Shaker, which is more of your, your classic uh hot rod cell car mm-hmm. um and uh and, and we we have a car uh which we call the character it's under our character car assortment where we take characters from from movies and pop culture uh and turn them into cars so imagine if you know this character was a car and mm-hmm. one of the most popular ones um has been the darth vader car and i hope so, you bring it up my yeah. son uh, is 10 and loves <laughs> that car yeah that was brian's awesome. creation was awesome. it not that is a Brian Bendix design. Yeah, absolutely. So he, he created that one, a quintessential classic. It, it, it feels and looks like Darth Vader, but it, it, it also truly has some authentic um, automotive design in it as well. So, mm-hmm. so, yeah, great example. Yeah, I remember Brian showing that off yeah. to Jay Leno, and uh, they were taking a cruise, and I just <laughs> imagine driving that thing at night. <laughs> <laughs> Moonless night cruising around in that thing. Anyway, uh, all right. So, what do you want to drive, Ted? What are some cars you want to drive personally? I I would love to get a C8. Like I just mm. I, I think that's a amazing uh, looking car. I think the you know the the, the change in mid engine super super interesting. I've 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 only um, seen it in passing here in LA briefly okay. uh, driving around. I um, obviously have, have seen it online and, and on, on video, sure, sure, uh, sure. but we'd just love to get in there. I have a, right now I'm, I'm driving a Porsche 9, 911. Um, it's, a, it's a 991, so last generation. Very cool. Would love to um, get, in, get in a 992, though. Um, looks like that car has gotten a, a huge upgrade in terms of just the interior and the tech inside, so I'm actually very For curious. For sure. Um, how that goes. They have the big center strip on that car where I feel like they put all the buttons and, and uh just interested to see where where that thing uh, what that thing is is like, and then from a performance standpoint, also I think it's uh, seems like a pretty big step change. So so those are probably just the top of my head. Probably those two. Yeah, the okay. interior of yeah. the the nine eleven has changed a lot between those two generations. It's fascinating, yeah, it and we Paul and I've driven it. We've talked about the fact that that dash has gone back to. We did a feature film a few years ago, well in 2013, called Fifty Years of the Nine Eleven, where we drove all the generations. And it's interesting to see how in this latest generation, the face of the dashboard has gone back to very much the classic shape, but it's all oh, piano sure. black because mm-hmm. it's all screens. Yeah, you can tell that the early oh. cars were the inspiration. And then totally, they, you know, and then it's just all that. screens. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's crazy. I think. Um, and by the way, I I, I, um, I love that film you guys did. I'm a I I love the the stuff you guys are doing. Just as a side note, big longtime fan and YouTube uh, channel subscriber. Thank you, you guys. Awesome. Joe. Thank so, you. Nice work. Appreciate it. Um, but uh, but yeah, yeah. The nine it's the nine eleven. I think you know from the outside, classic classic lines and shape and and you know when you talk about design and um, a car that sort of has withstood the test of time and, and the car that everyone recognizes with just a few lines, you know, mm-hmm, I totally. think, uh, the 911 is certainly in that category. The interior though, you're right. I mean, I'm, I don't know um, what you guys think, but I, I am curious, like how much all that tech is changed the, um, uh, the character of the car. And if it, if it's gone too far in one direction or not, I, I, I'm not sure, but um, it is interesting that it's all black because it's all screens, like you 
that. Yeah, Paul and I have a love, mostly hate relationship with Piano Black because once you get it into the real world and you use it very much, guess what? I mean, granted, I have a 10-year-old, so maybe I'm warped, but it's just covered in fingerprint. It's <laughs> he also never likes going to push to be every clean. button. Yes, he does. doesn't he matter what that button. He no, will no, no, push no, it no, twice. Push that button. He will push it twice Boom. just to make sure it does stuff. So <laughs> oh, you know, now it's just going to be fingerprints all the time. So that is the downside for it. And of course, you've gone to the, I know it's been nicknamed this already, kind of the shaver shifter there in the middle. Which, <laughs> I hate which, that. Well, yep. I, but, but see, Paul and I can get into arguments about it because I don't <laughs> like where the 9-11 has gone there. I see, the, I see the reasons, but I'm not fully on board. Paul backstrokes in the pool of Porsche all the time. Yes, so this is around. where the, yes. the arguments happen for sure. But it doesn't take away the fact that somehow Porsche is able to tweak that car every single generation and we all go, huh? That's a little bit better. It's amazing. <laughs> Ted, Todd's a filmmaker, and so we talk about Fast and Furious a fair amount. And I love that you guys have been doing a lot of those kinds of cars. Before we let you go, is there anything you can tell our audience? Are you allowed to? Are you willing to share a direction that you're thinking about? In terms of just uh, general direction for the brand. Can be anything you want. You can respond to it however you yeah. want to. Yeah, something fun coming up. Wow. Um, it's a hard question. You know, we... <laughs> The, the heavy-hitting journalism again. There's so many. We have actually so many exciting projects that I would love to share. Uh, uh, like I said, though, we work with um, a lot of great partners, and, and I don't know if I'm at liberty to, to share a lot of stuff. I, I will say, um, you know, a, a few a few things that I'm excited about that we're doing. Um, one is is the Hot Wheels Legends Tour, which is I think a, a great. Um, it's it's like cars and coffee on steroids, right? I mean, I think it's like you know you go to a cars and coffee, and you know you you sometimes you go and it's a certain type of car with Hot Wheels. Um, our Legends tours, you see all types of cars, wacky cars, uh, supercars. You see hot rods, rat rods, everything, um, and it's just a real fun place, especially for families to go because mm. there's just such a wide variety. And, and if you love cars, you're going to find something you love in that show. Nice. Um, Related, related. We've got um, we've got a, a, a live Hot Wheels Monster Trucks show that is um, started just uh, oh, wow. uh, over the past couple of years. Yeah, and so so that's been really great for us. We've um, we've had these arena shows touring around the country where we have um, we take some of our classic Hot Wheels designs and we turn them into monster trucks and it's, and it's a full out uh, hour hour and a half of mayhem and destruction with monster trucks. Super family friendly. Bring the kids. Destruction. Um, but, but again, what's this now? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us more about the destruction. That's a lot of fun. Kids, kids are screaming. You got you got cars being crushed, and and you got the BMX bikes um, jumping and, and doing huge stunts. So a lot of fun there. Those are two things where I think um, you know is is the brand evolves, and as we continue to push the envelope with um, with the products and the toys. I think it's it's great to see it uh, also expand out into a real franchise and and with real touch points that connect it back to um, uh, what we're all about, which is the automotive world and automotive authenticity. So um, for me, I think the exciting part is um, extending the brand on and and becoming um, hopefully an even bigger uh, part of car culture in the future. I mean, that's, that's cool. That's good to hear because, you know, mainly I just want our audience to hear that cool things are coming from you guys. <laughs> and so sure. we, we can sleep at night and the collectors will continue to be doing their thing. And uh, you've got us covered as car enthusiasts. And I love receiving gifts. I love giving Hot Wheels. It's, <laughs> you know, cool, cool stuff's coming is really what I wanted to hear. That's, there you go. You know, just, you know, kind of assuage my fears. 
Ted, thank you so much for your time. You Thanks it, for sharing your your car love with us. And and I, what I like about all the people that we interview for this show is we end up trying to dig past into just genuine car love. And I love that you brought that here as well. So thank you. Thank you, guys. It was it was a pleasure. Um, again, love what you guys are doing, and um, and really appreciate the time. Fantastic. Thank you, Ted. That was pretty fun. I enjoyed hearing from yeah. Ted that. You know, Hot Wheels is the world's largest car company. Yes. <laughs> when you really break down, you think, huh, wow, okay. That was, well, that was did, a lot of fun. Didn't we find out separately on a tangent? Didn't we find out separately that Lego is the world's largest manufacturer of tires? Tires. Lego has tires covered, funny. and then Hot Wheels course, is the uh, world's largest car maker, which funny? is awesome. The, the kids really do rule the world. That reminds me, we don't have a date for this yet. But you had a great idea based on a few of you that have written us, and we're going to get there at some point. We're going to do a kids questions podcast. I'm really, this is soaked into me, and I just think it could be a lot of fun. And so start thinking about the questions that we can answer, that we can cover, that also we're going to test this out. You know how you've been hearing about Todd's son and how much he can talk? and yes. He, he could actually sit here at the mic and Todd and I'll just close the door and step away and we'll just go have a soda and be then the five day podcast. He'll yes. be burying you in words. So we're pr- planning to have him on the podcast because I think kids need to hear from kids mm-hmm. about cars mm-hmm. and who better than your son, who is your son. Well, yeah, and he's he around you say. and the cars and, say, yeah. you know, believes that he'll own everyday driver at one point and yes, he'll be in charge. Well, they, hang on. I have to stop right there. There was that moment. <laughs> I may have said it before when he announced to my mother-in-law, <laughs> which is a questionable relationship anyway. He announced to my mother-in-law that he wasn't going to go to college because he was just going to work for everyday driver. And that resonated back from my mother-in-law to my wife. And now my wife is going, do you believe what your son said today? And I was like, I take zero responsibility for that conversation. (laughs) But take it seriously. Yeah, anyway, so there's all of that. So he'll probably be on for a little bit. He will not be on for the whole podcast because trust me, none of you want that. But (laughs) at the same time, at the same time, we are going to actually – Get kids questions about cars, mm-hmm. about the future of cars, about liking cars. We don't care what the questions are. As long as they're kind of in that vein, let's talk about cars for kids right now, which would be cool. So we will do that in the future. We're still figuring out exactly when because right now we're finishing up Season 7, which mm-hmm. reminds me yeah. this Saturday is July 4th. So after you have eaten entirely too much and blown stuff up with fireworks, somewhere in there, hopefully you've DVR'd the beginning of our next season return to Motor Trend. We are actually running a rerun on July 4th. It is the Z06s for Everybody episode because it's America. The cars are red, white, and blue. There's a lot of big V8 noise. It's a fantastic summer summer just, shoot. Just imagine the squibs, though, down the sides of the road. Just, just, just imagine as you're watching the explosions as the three cars go past. So that is that is what's starting our season, but we do have five brand new episodes coming up very soon in July on Motor Trend. That is still Saturday mornings. I will go ahead and say it. It's early. It's 7.30 Eastern. That means 4.30 a.m. Pacific. Please record it on your DVR. Watch it at your leisure. We would love to have you watching again. We've got a lot coming. That is all of season seven is going to be on through the entire third quarter of the year. That means through September. You've heard us talk about drive homework because it's vital to drive a lot of things when you're trying to find your next car. Knowing your options is incredibly important. And this applies to online shopping, too. You don't want to search just one website unless that site is searching all the other ones for you. That's why we love Auto Tempest. We know you've heard us talk about it before, and we hope you've already seen how far you can shop with just one search. Auto Tempest pulls from all the top used car sites at once, so you know you won't miss that ideal car. Autotempest.com. All the cars one search.
DriveShare is the coolest online car sharing platform around. It's simple. By connecting car owners with renters, DriveShare unlocks the joy of driving. Renters can find special cars that they can't believe they can drive that bring the awesome out of every moment, and owners can earn extra cash to fund their passion to have the cars in the first place. To sign up, cruise over to driveshare.com or download the app on Apple, iOS, or Android. That's driveshare.com. It was fun talking about design stuff with Ted. I, I need yeah. to do more of that. That was It was cool to hear that cool things are coming at us from Hot Wheels. Mm-hmm. So you know I'm a sucker for design questions, and there's one on Facebook from Andrew Miller who asks... Why does every, and I mean every car, have the carve-outs on the left and right, sometimes center portions of hoods that can be traced all the way along the sides to the rear Mm. of the car? Is this for aerodynamics? Is it for optical interest all along the car or something along those lines? And why is this prevalent on nearly every car, SUV, truck, formless blob on the road? (laughs) Okay. Thank you for noticing, Andrew. It is an ideal spot for a surface to begin. It's a way of Mm. setting a theme and then continuing it on because you can come over the top of the roof. You can come along the sides and wrap it down. It's a good starting point, mainly because it's such a big, broad surface. Mm -hmm. When you encounter cars that don't have anything on that large surface, it's a surprise. Like Mm. 911s, like Caymans. And then you think... Wow, there's there's just nothing here. As a matter of fact, as busy as the Lexus LC500 is, and it is visually, the hood has zero. The hood itself. Interesting point. If you open it, every other line is around it, but the point. hood itself is just a single. It's just a clean single shape slab, huh? So you either start with the hood. And Mm. generate a theme off that, or like Lexus did, and that's the reason we all love it so much, everything else is so visually interesting and busy, you have to leave the largest surface alone. That's interesting. Lexus designers knew that. that. And you think, wow, there's shapes everywhere. Look at the hood. There is nothing on that hood. Interesting. Okay. So you'll see, yes, it's on nearly every car. But designers, good designers and good executions of cars have to be very careful about where they start and end those themes. Mm. But again, it's just a it's a natural starting point. Designers see this big, broad surface and they think, well, shoot, I need to sketch something on that surface. It's That's blank. like a clean piece of paper right <laughs> That's there. That's blank and I have I a need, pen. I need to draw some lines <laughs> that are pretty much like every other line on there. So, you know, if you want it to be busy, like the pickup trucks that we're talking about, mm. it needs to suggest design language because interestingly electric pickup trucks as tall and vertical as their front ends are that was derived from having a huge radiator to cool a big engine yeah it's yeah. not there anymore mm. so then what do you do as a designer to break up the surfaces and break up the visual height still make it look like a pickup truck well of course you design the cyber truck but bleh, no well we keep we keep walking around a room full of rakes with Tesla over the door. I'm just going to run on in. I'm I'm running in. <laughs> just kick the door JL open. JL Schultz running in on Instagram says uh, he's confused as are many people and you I know you've ranted about this before. Let's just dive in. The JD Power rankings have come out for this year. <laughs> uh, Dodge yes. and Kia are up in the number 1 spot. Okay. Dodge and Kia. Very okay. interesting. Dodge has not been anywhere close to number one in a while. They're at number one with Kia, who is not somebody that most people think is good. Uh, for example, we just recently released our older episode, TV episode called The Alternative from yeah, season right. three with the right. Kia Stinger versus a BMW. And the number of people in the comments that talk about, well, the Kia is going to fall apart. And I thought, based on when? 
based on a few years ago. <laughs> right. The other thing that was interesting is people saying that the Kia is going to depreciate faster. But if you look at the depreciation, they're kind of together. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But his question is, what on earth is this initial quality rating? Mm. And does it have any connection to long-term reliability? A couple of things going on. This is a survey done by J.D. Power. They've made themselves matter in the industry with this survey. I, I, honestly, honestly they, they have. They, they've Look made it me. a big survey that all the automakers fight for every year. And what it essentially is, it's a survey that goes out all 50 states. They get tons and tons of submissions back. And then they just extrapolate those. They don't comment. They just go, here it is. Here's how everybody ranks. What it is is the number of problems in the first 90 days of ownership. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. This is per 100 vehicles. So when you see a number, how many problems per 100 vehicles existed in the first 90 days of a survey that went nationwide? Right. Okay. Right. What this does find, but here's, here's where it goes a little sideways because you as a consumer can comment about not liking anything. You can say, I don't like how the entertainment works. You could not like it because you can't work it. It might work fine, mm, but you can mm-hmm. say, I don't like how the infotainment works, and you can give it a strike as a problem. It may be working just fine. Okay. Conversely, you can re- respond to things like, I don't like my fit and finish. Uh, this has been in the shop twice. It covers the gamut. You're just checking boxes for don't like or had a problem in this area, which can be broad and doesn't necessarily speak to how the car works. On the other end of the spectrum, though, it is impressive that Dodge and these other automakers that for a while had reputations that were bad ones to be up that high. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't guarantee that things are going to keep working well, but you would hope, you would hope that if you buy a brand new car, it's not going to have problems and annoyances. It's just going to be great. Ideally, yeah. So the ones that are at the top of the category here, the ones that are having the fewest and you can dig in a long way here, and I'm going to try not to. The ones that have the fewest problems per 100 vehicles in all of these areas suggest I bought it, I like it, it runs, I don't have problems. At the bottom of the list mm. is Land Rover. The cars that are winning okay. are getting about 120 is their, is their number, 120. Okay. Land Rover's at 220, the bottom of the list. As far as – is issues. that an average – is that an average outnumber between not, how many I'm people not are going to claim okay. that I understand the, the math. It's but they talk number. about 220 problems per 100 vehicles. That's okay. what that's what that okay. number is. I'm not sure how they extrapolate the thousands of surveys down, but that's what we're talking about. Right. So right. the cars at the top are doing about 120. Land Rover's at 220. <clears throat> I'm putting on my flak jacket. Here we go. <laughs> Tesla was at 250. Tesla was below Land Rover. Now – they are not an official number for a couple of interesting reasons. There are 15 states in the union that if a car maker wants to – if somebody wants to survey somebody about a car they bought, the car maker in those 15 states has to have allowed it. Tesla does not allow surveys. Of course they don't. So for well, those 15 they states, they don't send out J.D. Power surveys to those owners. So while they got surveys back – more than they would normally get for a sample size. It's not from the whole nation, so they have put that that number at 250 with an asterisk. Mm. What's interesting is, and remember we were talking about you can you can ding a car for anything. It's not the electronics. It's not the software. The software company's doing very well. <laughs> it's fit and finish, 
paint problems, door issues. It's the stuff that the other automakers have always done and are still doing well and have done better. The comment that I read, the actual commentary I read, was that the issues that Tesla's having in all of those areas, other car makers solved 10 to 20 years ago. Mm, right, right. But they're new. And so those 250 problems are all, if you will, body work, and none of them are UI. Whereas on some other cars, you've got UI issues and other issues. It's very interesting, but it doesn't guarantee long-term anything. No, and it doesn't tell the full story right off the bat, as you said, because this is based on somebody's little you know, nitpicky thing. Well, I don't just – that doesn't work for me. Yeah. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. I don't understand why this is this way. Look, I'll go back to my 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee. Sure. The toggle shifter, which has now become ubiquitous across many cars, Mm -hmm. that was introduced and people just didn't understand it because it didn't actually change placement. Mm -hmm. It snapped back like a toggle. You would just put it back into drive or whatever you were selecting and then it just you let go and it snapped back to position. So it didn't actually physically move back to drive. And yeah. people were freaking out because they didn't understand it. Well, but people had accidents and there were deaths in now, some they did. cases. There yeah. were deaths and they changed that. And yeah. now I've seen that feature on many cars. If you sure. actually open your car door, your pass- your driver's door, mm-hmm. the car will go into park. It goes into park, yeah. And it actually kind of screeches to a halt. Yeah. It's a little strange. And I'm not <laughs> sure that's the right solution. Well, the but days that you and I want to move a car with the door it. open slowly around a parking lot for for positioning for photography that's not happening anymore because you open the door the car goes no no no, i have to stay here but yeah keep going well that just means you know the jd power ratings for initial quality mean that after that 90 days the car could be made of a stale sugar cube and it's gonna (laughs) melt it's just sorry it was a initial quality is great yeah now that you own it and you're past that little waiting period and you're making payments now very interesting you're screwed buddy it it isn't necessarily an indicator of long-term capability but it is interesting to see these car makers move up and down on people's let's be honest Buying first impressions. <laughs> okay, what else? Uh, oh, front license plates are closed. Says the state of Ohio is doing away with front license plates starting July 1st, 2020. What are our thoughts on that? Any creative ideas for plugging and reusing the holes in the front bumper <laughs> of the Challenger? Well, if you, for the states that do require front plates, and I investigated this as a former Audi and Porsche. 987 came in owner. Yes. I got the standoff, the mm-hmm. very beautifully machined, expensive standoff mm-hmm. that would hold your license plate. It screws into the front toe eye threaded part of your bumper and it's off center. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see. And it's off the body work too. It's off the body work. So yes, it keeps it away, but mm-hmm. it's, it's an eyesore. It yeah. just is. Yeah, yeah. But to meet when I was still living in California, to meet that requirement, I, I bought those things at the dealer and they were, expensive and not really worth it but you know it's better than drilling holes through your urethane and screwing up your bumper so i I do get that so if you do have a hole the first thing you can do is visit the parts department at your local fca dealer Mm. dodge dealer and say all right i just need the little plug that's probably going to be a 70 dollar part or something but still (laughs) that you could just go back to oem look is what i'm saying yeah yeah yeah. if you do want that front plate and you do want a standoff there's you know find a form and find you know somebody who manufactures that thread and then, you know, it's a standoff for your plate. There's many aftermarket, uh, you know, parts companies on the internet that sell for various cars. You could do that if you do want the plate there. Mm-hmm. It kind of looks cool a little bit. You know, the plate's off center. It stands proud of it your does, bumper. Yeah. It says, stands off. Those are the only two things that are really going to make it look okay. Because past that, you're leaving packing stuff still on your Challenger. Hopefully, you don't leave that. I was going to say, strip. that's the other thing we're going to run that into. Just me. You're Please take the, the yellow strip off the front uh, lip. You're yeah. leaving the packing, the OEM packing material mm. on your car. 
they, and now it's a thing and it's cool and it just looks dumb. It's the car equivalent of the brand new stickers on your on your brand new fresh baseball cap you've had for two years. Just it's the car equivalent of that. Take it off. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 all rakes and landmines for us today. Let's just keep <laughs> diving in. I like it. While we're talking about uh, Kia and others, Atacolips says uh, on Instagram, what the heck is going on with Kia and Hyundai that they went from his description here, garbage to quality seemingly overnight <laughs> while maintaining affordability? Surprise! Uh, he said, you know, he knows that some people came over from BMW, but seriously, what is going on? We've talked about this a little bit. First off, the Korean automakers are hell-bent on becoming world-class. They Indeed. are operating in kind of a spare-no-expense way. That's going on. I also talked about this before. Uh, ten or so years ago, I don't know the exact date, but ten or so years ago, Kia and Hyundai said, we're going to offer the best warranty of any automaker. Mm-hmm. And they did, which was a marketing ploy to get people to come in. But then we've talked about how that rippled backwards through the company because Such now a smart at move. every other step they went, now we have to actually make these cars to hold up to that warranty because it would bankrupt the company with problems. <laughs> right. It went backwards through the process. So that has changed. They're it. just shooting then, for the J.D. Power initial quality. That's you all. know they are. It's After just 90 those first days, 90 days. Yeah. But they're succeeding. Anyway, so, so that actually changed the whole makeup of the company because now they had this warranty that they had to make sure didn't bankrupt them. Mm. And then while that is happening, let's be honest, they went and poached the best of Germany. In the mm. early 2000s, if you think about it, BMW and Audi, BMW was well-respected as one of the best driving cars brands on the planet, and Audi was well-respected as one of the best car design brands on the planet. Guess who they went and got? The people that ran those two departments. <laughs> so they've got the warranty, and these people brought in for specific reasons, and you can watch the shift in the styling of Kia and Hyundai's, and you can watch the shift in quality because of the uh, the big warranty, and then you can watch the shift in driving, and now the new N line because of the BMW M folks that now work at Kia and Hyundai. This is very strategic. It's happened over time, probably the last decade, but it's been very strategic and comparatively high speed. These are all the steps that that are in play, though. Mm. All right, uh, let's stay with Kia for a little bit because Alex Mattaloni has said, with Kia more than likely killing off the stinger, what other great cars have been negatively impacted by brand perception? Mm. It is a tremendous vehicle, but most people who dislike it use the fact that it's a Kia to justify their dislike for it. And yes, we addressed it in this piece when it came out. I've actually addressed this on the podcast for years now, now that they're stacked with design, talent, and quality because of what Todd just talked about. But yeah, there's there's a litany of cars throughout history. Let's talk about the Ford Probe. That's a weird name. Not not ideal. Yeah, it was a cool car. I wish it kind of stuck around. Well, but the Pontiac, but the, the name was the like, Pontiac G8, and the Solstice and the Saturn Sky. Pontiac Solstice and the Saturn Sky. Those are all better cars than the brands they were sold under. Yeah, Saturn had a lot of problems with that because the Sky was, and then later on, like the 2011 Astra, I think, which is an Opal, mm-hmm. essentially, yeah. brought over from Europe and rebadged, yeah, and it yeah, didn't yeah. fit any of the styling characteristics that the Saturn brand had already mm-hmm, established. Mm-hmm. And so people were kind of like, this is the new direction. And then immediately Saturn was killed after that, after this grand experiment of it, it became very strange. And, you know, yeah, like I said, Many, many names of cars throughout history, but the cars themselves, the the sky is a great example. Gabriel asks on Facebook, he says, what makes a rear-wheel drive car worse in the snow? Now, it's middle of the summertime right now, but I'll answer a snow question anyway. 
because I don't need the snow to come back, but it will. It will. <laughs> and we will have rear-wheel drives in the snow again to show you guys and talk about this further because a big thing we're going to tell, tell you is tires. First off, I want to rewind. <laughs> rewind to like the 60s. Okay. Most people in this country and many people around the world were driving rear-wheel drive cars in the snow on, at that time, primitive winter tires at best. Mm. Yeah. And true. there wasn't suddenly a decision by the general public – this isn't working. Mm. Front-wheel drive cars didn't come into fashion because we were worried about driving them in the snow. People just drove rear-wheel drive cars in the snow, 60s, 70s, etc. It's just the rise of front-wheel drive and then beyond that, the rise of all-wheel drive makes people think that rear-wheel drive is flat-out dangerous in the snow. The reason it's quote-unquote worse is has everything to do with weight. You would like, ideally, for traction – to have weight over the drive wheels in snow to push those wheels down into the snow, ideally down through the snow, which one of the reasons that big trucks, huge trucks weighted down are snow immune. Mm -hmm. They've got so much weight, they just punch through all of it, and they've got traction. Yeah. Okay? If you have a small, lightweight sports car, let's just take a Miata. None of its weight's in the back. I know it's got a 50-50 weight issue. I get it. But the lump, there isn't a lump over those axles. And mm-hmm. people with Miatas, it's a common thing. They'll put like kitty litter yeah. in the back to weight down, give a little bit of extra weight on front of the wheels. Yeah, so the front-wheel drive car, it has the weight right. Typically, those are like 60% of the weight on the front anyway. And the weight's right over the wheels that are trying to get traction. And then theoretically, that means better traction. Now, tires may make the most difference. But – you have a rear-wheel drive car. You're sitting on a hill at a stoplight, and the light goes green, and it's a rear-wheel drive front-engine car. Happened to me in the FRS. Those rear wheels are going to spin some because they don't have anything right away, even with winter tires. Mm-hmm. The car mm-hmm. might start dancing to the side, oversteer style. It's oversteer while sitting still, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah. The worst in the world, pickups. <laughs> Agreed. Where Agreed, they just yeah. spin. I've, I've watched pickups go in circles. With the front staying still in the middle of an intersection because they can't get traction. So it's a weight problem. It can be overcome with how you drive, the tires you run, and what you do with weight. Yeah. You know, speaking of oversteer, I think that, you know, a lot of people aren't used to the feeling when tires break traction, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what that needs, you know, what your car control needs to, to do, you know, what you need to do as a driver. I think that, you know, it's just an unfamiliar feeling, mm-hmm. which is essentially what drifting is yes. and stunt driving. But, uh, yeah, I, I recommend that people, you know, understand and take schools where you can feel what it's like when your tires have limited or no traction at all and what that does to the car's dynamics. But you're right. It's very disconcerting if you haven't felt it before because even understeer is the same way. You as a driver now have less control, and that's very disconcerting, mm-hmm. but you got to learn how to manage it. On Facebook, Sean Clark asks us what we think of the mid the midstep M and AMG cars, specifically referring to the BMW M240i versus the M2, the AMG C43 versus C63, mm. etc. Those kinds of things. Not the line cars that are just an appearance package, but actually they've been tuned, but they're not the big boys. They're not sure. quite all sure, the way. Sure, yeah. So actually a number of manufacturers that do this for the very reason, Sean, that you're talking about as a solid option for people potentially to almost have the kind of performance, but I can't quite afford or justify getting the track monster or whatever that is. We see it with all three of the American coupes, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the Camaro, the Mustang, 
the Challenger. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We see it just as you have suggested. It's not quite the full boat AMG craziness. Yeah. It's a little bit backed off. Maybe it's a little bit softer suspension, but it's certainly better than, you know, your base trim package. It yeah. is actually a little bit more power, a little bit more sporty. Really what car manufacturers are doing is capitalizing on people's budgets. Mm-hmm. That's really what it mm-hmm. comes down yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. If all things were equal, you know, we all choose the big boys, but because not everybody can afford those, there's still some money to be made and there's still a case mm. to be made business-wise for introducing those mid-grade models. And I don't want the base, but I can't afford the full M2, M240i. That's that's why they exist. And generally, we've found that they, they most of the time are a nice middle ground where you get some genuine performance out of it. It's not... When it's not just a badging exercise, but it depends, of course, on the car. Sean Fisher on Instagram says he learned to drive on a BMW E46 generation 325i. Mm. He learned to drive stick on his best friend's E30 M3. <laughs> his question, fair question, is he forever ruined for all future car and driving experiences? <laughs> Sean, the thing you don't say here is what are you daily? Yeah, because we don't for know all what you I know, you yeah. daily a minivan. I, I you know, sure. I don't have any frame of reference. What's great about that is you've driven two cars that were BMW at some of their best. You've driven in the in the E46 some of their best hydraulic steering setup. You've driven in the E30 a really great feel for analog and lightweight. Mm, okay, I think this actually frees you up as a driver to go forward and find something you love. I don't okay. think it ruins you. Okay. I think what it does is it gives you a reference point that a lot of people don't have that can give you an appreciation for good steering feel and what a light car feels like to drive. So now you can go forward and you can find something where you can get pieces of that back. How much of it you want is up to you. I don't think it's ruined you. I think it's given you a great driving homework reference point. And so go forth and prosper. <laughs> nice. Zachary Dickerson says, what's the ugliest car you'd still like to own? First generation Panamera. Although I'm not saying they're ugly, they're just I am the first generation, and you know they're they ugly. package people. It was function over form, and it was the four door nine eleven, mm-hmm. and they're awesome. Sure, I I don't a first gen Panamera. I see it. Yeah, there's uh, you know many things throughout history, like the X six BMW X six. I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> Last one for me from Twitter. We've got uh, let's see, it's. Uh, go to eight two five one three. I think is what that is. Anyway, he watched the King of the Hot Hatchbacks episode that we just dropped on YouTube. This is also out of season three. It's season three, episode three. It is the Focus RS and the Civic Type R before they put a volume knob on it and before they stopped selling the Focus RS. Let's be honest. So mm. we had that piece mm. also long before the Veloster N came out. That one's now on YouTube. Lots of really good commentary there. Really good comments and thank you guys for watching it. He watched it and he said, "Okay, so looking back now, do we think the used Focus RS is a good?" buy i think yes i that personally is on my kind of the kind of gray short list for what would be a really interesting winter car when they get cheap enough Mm. i say there's no reason to avoid it any car when it gets cheap enough is kind of interesting that's true no but i think the focus rs is a really interesting car it depends a lot on your usage it if does. you're a person who's going to commute on rough roads you're not gonna like it if you're gonna have the opportunity to hoon it some drive it in the winter i think you could like it a lot all right, last question for me is Avi Ram says, what is the best road trip that we've ever taken? Mm. Wow. Mm, the best road trip. I'm I'm going to go with the mid-engines and mountains road trip. Yeah, that's up there. That's up there, is that's, it not? That's way, way up there. You're right. 
I wish we would have run forward-facing cameras, and it was that particular shoot that taught us to run forward-facing, whether over our shoulder, Mm -hmm. pointed at the front glass, or up on top of the windshield, or just looking straight out over the hood. Totally agree. Because of so many things, I never captured the deer that just ran in front of me. Mm -hmm. Never got him, but... Like, oh, you have to believe me. And the sense of those roads would have been played better if we'd had mounted extra cameras. And it just came down to the amount of gear we had available at the time. But you're right. That was a lesson hard learned. We got into post and went, we needed that visual for Mm -hmm. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. But the whole trip itself was just epic from the adventure itself to just the craziness of how it actually finally came together. Just doing it and getting out there and committing to it. It's just so much fun. We have to do it again. We do. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. Keep them coming. Your Topic Tuesdays, all your ideas for that. Your car conclusions, which we will do again soon here. And also your debates. Write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. And we're looking forward to hearing from you. Cheers, everyone.